When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What does it take to win a national title? A lot of teams now on the hunt. Everybody at the bottom of the mountain, but what does it take to get to the top and hoist the hardware? I'm so glad you asked. We're about to talk about it here on the Hard Count, the People's College Football Show. It is Thursday, August 24th, 2023, the last one in history. So you know what we got to do. Got to make it the best one ever. Thank you so much for joining us. A lot to get into today. This is our last show. The next time you see us, college football games will have been played. Week zero is about to be here. Week zero isn't week zero isn't isn't for everybody necessarily. A lot of people kind of check on the schedule and say, uh, and we'll come back next time and, and we'll be there for week one. How about that? No, no, no. If you're tuning in this show, you're a junkie, you're a diehard, and we appreciate you rocking with us. We're gonna talk about some things that we are fired up for week zero. Just some things that we're looking forward to. Hey, Vanderbilt's playing a football game against Hawaii just down the road from us. And I don't know if y'all have been keeping track of what's going on in the Twitterverse. Uh, they are going to be shrinking that stadium just a little bit. What's that stadium going to be like? What's that, what's that environment going to be like? Just things that we're excited about. Also, Caleb Williams, the former returning, reigning, however you want to put it, Heisman Trophy winner from 2022. They're about to rev the engine a little bit against San Jose State. It should be fun to watch. Also, like I was talking about at the top of this show, what does it take to win a national title? I'm going to go through five teams as it relates to the AP and coaches poll that I think we should talk about, hey, what do they need to do to win a national title? Or if you want to look at it this way, these teams win a national title if, and we'll fill in the blank for you when we get there. Talked about it last show as well. We got to get aligned on some things here before the games get playing. A lot of noise going to be out there in the college football landscape. A lot of things going to be said. Let's get ahead of the game before the game gets ahead of us. Also, Mason Smith, defensive lineman for LSU. Big, big piece for them. Got injured in the game last year against Florida State. He will not be available for week one this coming season, I guess two weeks now, when they play Florida State in Orlando. Big loss for LSU. It was because of an impermissible benefit. What does that mean? What was that? How do you even have an impermissible benefit in the age of NIL? We'll break that down. Talk about what it means for that game. Talk about what we think about this punishment. Also, Alabama. For those of y'all that have been keeping track of what Nick Saban's been saying at these press conferences, he tipped his hand just a little bit as to the direction that thing could take. He's not naming a starter at this point in time, but even so, a little bit we can take from that. However you're watching, wherever you're watching, we're glad to have you here. We do not take it for granted that you make us a part of your day. We're extremely thankful for that, and you got a lot on your plate. So I want to just encourage you right now, relax. Whatever you got on your on your to-do list, whether it's chores, whether it's school, whether you're at your job, however you are listening right now, just relax, big breath in, deep breath out. It's just college football for the next hour. We're glad to have you here. Like I was saying, college football season is about to get rolling. So with that being said, there's a couple of things that I think we should really get aligned on before they try and start you know, feeding us these different narratives. Because it's narrative season. It's always narrative season when it comes to the college football world. But that volume is about to get dialed up quite a bit. So I want to make sure we're on the same page here so we can kind of 
keep our footing as we get rolling here to the college football season. The first thing I want to talk about as it pertains to LSU, I want us to all be reminded and all remind other people and bring them with us that Brian Kelly is only in his second year at LSU. Why is that important? Because in year one, their over under win total preseason was like seven wins. And then Brian Kelly did what Brian Kelly does and won a whole lot of football games. They got to Atlanta in year one. So I think there's this perception that LSU is just going to be at this cruising altitude for the rest of his time in Baton Rouge. And I want to get ahead of this. If LSU doesn't look like an SEC title contender, let's say they win eight football games, not a bad season. It's better than you were when he got to LSU. But if they were to take a few steps back, I don't think we should panic. I want us to make sure that we all kind of just take a deep breath and understand that Brian Kelly is at LSU for the long haul. They're going to be really successful for the long haul, but there is a lot of people that have a microphone and that type stories for a living, and they have been waiting to just kind of feed these narratives. They thought they could do it last year. He won a lot of games, so they didn't get to, but they're going to say things like, man, Brian Kelly, year one, they kind of caught fire, but I think the book's out on him right now. Yeah, we all knew that he wasn't cut out for the SEC, and they'll probably circle back to that accent because people have just been wanting to get more material out of that, so they'll probably go back to that and say, all right, look, he was kind of faking it the whole time. He, he wasn't cut out for this. You'll also hear the players don't respond to the way that he coaches. Brian Kelly, he's too old school. We're, this is the new era of college football. They're not going to respond to him. Those are the things you're going to hear. Let's not let 2023 and any lack of success that they could have, I'm not saying they will, I'm not predicting this, but I'm saying if they do take a step back and lose some of those close games they won in 2022 and 2023, let's not panic. Let's not forget what happened in 2022, which was, like I said, you got to Atlanta in year one. You beat Nick Saban in year one. Also landed a top five class in 2023. They're rolling right now. Brian Kelly, the way that he does things, it is a proven process. It's tried and true. He's got a 72% win percentage on his career. So the way that he does things works. And just because some of those games went their way last year. If they don't go their way this year, it's not something we got to talk about with Brian Kelly and reassess their situation. He is in it for the long haul. And I honestly think LSU is going to be really good this year. But again, if some of those games that fell their way last year, they were three and one in one score games. If they go to one and three or heck if they're two and two, let's not panic. Let's not forget what happened this past season. All right. Another thing we got to get aligned on here. A lot of talk about two teams from the same conference making the college football playoff. And we all hear the same two conferences, the SEC, which is fair, the Big Ten, which is also fair. I'm not here to be down on either of those conferences. But I think we have to also get aligned on the idea that there is potentially going to be two teams from the ACC that could find their way into the college football playoff. We're not predicting it. I'm just saying we all need to be aligned on this before we find ourselves in this situation potentially. And the situation would be as follows. Florida State and Clemson, from a roster standpoint, <clears throat> getting choked up talking about it. From a roster standpoint, the two best teams in the ACC. And you would expect them to meet in the ACC title game. Again, that's all preseason talk right now, but you expect them to probably have a rematch in the ACC title game. The world where they could potentially both get in the college football playoff is if Florida State and Clemson both run the table. Obviously, they play week four, so one of them is going to drop that game, but they meet back again in the ACC title like we were talking about, and the team that lost that game round one, so let's say it's Florida State that beat Clemson that first week, and then Clemson beats them in the ACC title 
and you have two ACC teams with one loss, one was undefeated the rest of the season except for one game, and, and one is a one-loss ACC champion, they're going to have a very real argument to be in the college football playoff. Now, you probably need a little bit of help, and a lot of this is dependent on what other dominoes fall around them. But there's some quality wins out there if that situation does arise, where you have a one-loss ACC champion and a Clemson or Florida State is toting one loss from the other. Because Clemson, they play Notre Dame, they play South Carolina. Those are two really solid wins. Florida State, game one, we talk about it all the time on here. It's it's a playoff kind of game against LSU. If you can win that game, it's a nice feather in the cap. So I think there is a very real support around this argument for, for them to both potentially make their way in. Now, it's not unrealistic. But we're also not assuming it's going to happen. Again, a lot of dominoes got to fall. But I just want to make sure we're all kind of on the lookout for that situation presenting itself. Caleb Williams and USC have college football playoff aspirations. They have national title aspirations. They are not being shy about it. They don't need to when you got the best player in college football playing quarterback for you. But there's this narrative out there that the defense needs to be better. And that's a narrative for a reason. It's true. Okay, that's, that's a true statement. The defense has to be better for USC in 2023. But the end of that sentence, I think, is crucial with what we say after the defense has to be better in 2023 in order to have to be better in 2023 to win a national title. Absolutely the case. However, I don't think the defense needs to really be that much improved in 2023 for them to get to the college football playoff and to win the Pac-12. And the reason why I know that is because they were good enough last year with that subpar defense to call a spade a spade to get to the college football playoff. And people at USC probably feel this way as well. We've talked about it on here before. If Caleb Williams, it's a big if, and if and and woulda, shoulda, coulda, doesn't count. But if Caleb Williams stays healthy in that Pac-12 title game and he's able to be as dynamic as we saw him be all through last season, Caleb Williams and USC, they're playing for, the, for a college football playoff. They're in the dance. They're in that top four. They probably beat Utah. So I understand they didn't look great against Tulane and all that, but I'm just saying he jansported them last year all the way to that Pac-12 title game, lower body injury. It is what it is. I think the offense and the system is going to go through Caleb Williams as we saw it did last year, he's going to have every opportunity to just carry this team backpack style back to the Pac-12 title game. And I think they have a very real chance. Heck, I picked them to be in the college football playoffs. So do they need to have a defense improved to win the national title? Yes. Would you like the defense to be improved? Yes. Did they do a lot through the portal to be improved? The personnel was way better on the defensive line. Another segment for another time. But at the end of the day, Caleb Williams is good enough in his own right to get USC to the Pac-12 title game, to the college football playoff, period. Mike dropped the end. Now, here's another thing I want to talk about, staying in the lane of quarterbacks. Joe Milton, going to be the starting quarterback for Tennessee. We've known that for some time now. We saw him just do numbers like he's goodwill hunting in the Orange Bowl against Clemson. He's going to be the guy. I want us to make sure we're, we're all on guard against this thought when he starts rolling, if he does start putting up big numbers. People are going to be very quick to say, outside of Knoxville, Joe Milton is a system guy. Joe Milton, he's just a benefactor of what Josh Heupel's drawn up with that offense. Like, yeah, that's, that's nice he's putting up numbers, but he's a system guy. couple things incorrect with that statement. The first is it just doesn't make sense. Like, to call a quarterback a system guy, every quarterback plays in a system. 
any offensive coordinator worth their salt is trying to put a favorable situation for their quarterback in 11 on 11 football you're trying to create matchups you're trying to make his life easier you still ask a lot of him but if you're not putting your quarterback in position to succeed as an offensive coordinator what are you doing man what what are we even drawing this up for during the week what are we game planning for to make his life difficult don't think so all right so that's the first part of this the other part of this is the offense for Josh Heupel goes through the quarterback like there's kind of this narrative out there that it's so quarterback friendly you just line it up plug and play whoever you want in there go ahead and slice and dice you'll be good to go it's not the reality this system yes it creates matchups yes they work the boundaries a lot yes they play with the hashes 100 but even so this offense goes extremely quickly high tempo meaning as a quarterback you got to be on it man it is nascar fast we got to be quick we got to be good with everybody getting lined up we got to know the play call we got to deliver the the protection i mean we got to do everything as the quarterback to make sure that we're all on the same page as we snap the ball in under 20 seconds the other part you're asking the quarterback to make throws like yes you're trying to run the football and mess with the safeties and put those linebackers in conflict and all that but even so man if you can't hit the shot at the end of the day it doesn't matter if we got it open for you it doesn't matter if we kind of teed the defense up it's about creating situations but the quarterback has to make good on those situations you got to hit the open shot so all this talk about quarterback friendly this that and the other like it still goes through the quarterback if Hendon Hooker is sailing the ball out of bounds when Jalen Hyatt's running wide open down the sideline, like it's an incompletion, and we got second and 10. Quarterback is extremely responsible for what happens in this offense. Last thing too, Joe Milton has played in this offense before. So if you're going to say Joe Milton is a system guy, I would say, well, was he a system guy when he got benched? Was he a system guy when he struggled within this system? You're telling me it's all about the system and Joe Milton's just a non-factor. Well, why didn't he have success his first time around? argument kind of collapses on itself see how that works so if joe milton has success and i expect him to it's it's about joe milton yes it's about the offense yes it's about them running the football there's a lot of complementary factors within this offense as there is with any good offense but to take away from whatever joe milton accomplishes by calling it a system guy i think you're just kind of throwing stones so i wouldn't do that i don't think that's a realistic argument and i want to make sure that we're all kind of on the same page here because a lot of this buzz if some of these things break this way, you're, you're going to hear Joe Milton's a system guy. If LSU loses a couple games, man, was Brian Kelly the right hire? Let's make sure we're on the same page, all aligned as, uh, as we get rolling here into the beautiful thing that is the college football season. Now, college football season, rolling right on. And I want us to kind of get, get aligned here on another situation. And that is that the hard count is brought to you by the good people at game time. I'll paint a picture for you really quick. Your team, you weren't expecting them to really get rolling like like they are right now, and it's late December. Excuse me, we'll say we'll say early December. Could be late December too. Big time matchup for them. Maybe it's a bowl game. Maybe it's a conference title game. And these tickets that you wanted to get for their respective conference championship or their New Year's Six bowl game, whatever it is, starting to starting to hike up the prices when you look on other sites. Game time though. Got you taken care of. You won't be in that situation where your alma mater is playing for a conference title or a big-time bowl game, and you can't go because you don't have tickets. Don't be in that situation. We're going to use game time to get it done. Game time is the place for last-minute ticket deals, and they have the best prices. Forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. 
Saturday morning, wake up, need tickets, got it, let's roll. Thanks to Game Time. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets on all of the sports and entertainment events. The Game Time guarantee means you'll get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time says, no problem, 110%. The difference, we're crediting you that. So here's what we're going to do. Snag tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code HARDCOUNT. Shout out to y'all for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account. Redeem code HARDCOUNT for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Appreciate y'all being a part of that operation. They help us. They help you. We, us, ours. The show rolls on, baby. Appreciate everybody tuned in live right now. If you could like the video, got a little streak going. And I talked to somebody yesterday who was listening on podcast, and they're like, Man, every time you ask people to like the video, I hope they're doing it because I'm listening not live and I'm my hands are tied at that point. So for the people listening on podcasts, for us, for the, for the streak, like the video and we'll keep this thing rolling now. So what does it take to win a national title? What does it take? Everyone right now ready to make their ascent up to the top of the mountain? Everyone's chasing the same thing. What does it take to win a national title? Well, let's unpack that a little bit. The way that I want to do this, though, I want to go through the top five teams as it pertains to the polls, the coaches poll and the AP poll. You know how we feel about those here? They're great for preseason talking and for us kind of taking a gauge at where things could stand. Ultimately, I think they're a little bit unimportant, to be real. We'll talk about the rankings when they get here in college football playoff territory. But I want to go through the top five here because these are the top five teams that are getting talked about the most and just kind of paint you this picture. These teams win a national title if, and then fill in that blank for us. Make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at Jody Piquel. Thank you in advance for that. So let's start with the defending, reigning, two-time national champion Georgia Bulldogs. What do they need to do to win a national title? What do they need to do to go three in a row? For them, I think it's all about the approach. Because right now, they're about to undergo the most stressful, the most taxing, the most emotionally draining season that I think they've had there under Kirby Smart. And I say this because if you watch the Swamp Kings documentary, and I'm not going to spoil anything for you, but there is a scene where the the majority of the people being interviewed kind of share the same sentiment. There was so much pressure on us in that 2000, I believe it was 2009 season, where the expectation was for us to go win a national title. So week in and week out, instead of enjoying the journey, we're thinking, golly, man, we got we to gotta do this. It, it, was, it was less the joy of winning and more so the relief of winning for those teams. And I think Georgia is kind of sitting in that same situation. Everyone, including yours truly, is picking them to be in the college football playoff. Heck, we got them winning the national title. A lot of stress, a a lot of outside noise around Georgia right now. So for them, it's all about locking it in and staying out of their own way. Not not letting it be about anything else besides what happens on Saturdays, what happens during the week for them in practice. Keeping the main thing the main thing. I've also said this before, and I think that we're all on the same page here. I think Kirby's smart. It is against his code of ethics for him to become complacent, for him to let his team become complacent. But that's a very big variable for them to win a national title. Also, does the offense click by November? New quarterback, Carson Beck, going to be the guy dealing for you back there. Mike Bobo, going to be your OC. So the two pieces that were with you when you won the national titles in 21 and 22, Stetson Bennett and Todd Munkin, they are now gone. The big thing for the offense, though, it doesn't need to click in September. It doesn't need to click in October. You'd like it to be 
looking good. You'd like it to be able to be functional at the very least, but we don't need to be firing on all cylinders until we get to those games against Ole Miss and against Tennessee. Kirby Smart, I don't think would ever say that, but that's how I feel about it. Other part of this though, and this is probably crucial for all these teams, but I'm going to say it for Georgia. They got to stay healthy. Talent is not the issue at Georgia. Kirby Smart has recruited way too well for talent to be the issue in Athens. But if you start losing guys, obviously that's going to start to eat away at your chances and what you can do from a game plan standpoint and from a depth standpoint week in and week out. It's hard to go wire to wire. It's hard to to win all 12 games. It's hard to go healthy all 12 games. Branson Robinson running back for them out for the season. You hate that for Georgia. You hate that for Branson Robinson, but a big piece for them going forward will to be able to stay healthy. They got the talent. They got the firepower. Can they stay healthy? extremely important for Georgia as they seek a third national title. They do all those things. I think they're in good shape. Let's talk about Michigan. Michigan, also another team that people are picking to win a national title. They have made it very clear. National title or bust. We beat Ohio State two years in a row. Got the Big Ten hardware two years in a row. We want the big boy. We, we want to beat the final boss. We want to win the national championship. So they win a national championship, in my mind, if they can be ambidextrous on offense. And I don't mean can J.J. McCarthy throw well with his right hand and his left hand. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about can they run the ball and throw the ball equally effectively? Because that's kind of the talking point all season long, all offseason long, rather, is J.J. McCarthy taking the next step and all that. I think that's fair. I think the next level of that, the thing that people maybe need to talk about a little bit more, is can his pass catchers take that next step as well? Can Colston Loveland step into a bigger role playing tight end? Can Cornelius Johnson step into a bigger role? Going down the line here, his pass catchers have to be able to separate and be the guys that ultimately win for them. When you get one-on-one, when they load the box, because Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards are eating our lunch, can we go win on the outside? Can we create explosive plays and throw the knockout punch with the pass game? Now, the other part of this is, likely, Michigan, if you're going to win a national title, at some point in time, you probably got to go through Georgia. And they know that. That's why they have the beat Georgia period at practice. What is the formula to beating Georgia? It's been a while since someone's done it. But the the team that got closest last year, Ohio State, they were winning on the outside. We had Rusty Mansell of Dogs HQ on this very show. And we asked him straight up, Rusty, how do you beat Georgia? It looks nearly impossible the way they're operating right now. How do you beat Georgia? And he said with a straight face, you got to win on the outside. We talk about it here a fair amount when we break down these games and preview them. You don't have to have every matchup. And I think Michigan will have a pretty solid standing when it comes to playing that line of scrimmage. I don't think they'll get overpowered there at all based on what they have on the offensive and defensive line. But you got to be able to win the matchups when the ball's in the air. Have it be one-on-one. Can you go win there? Don't have all the matchups, but you got to have one or two to be able to exploit them in the pass game. So that is the key for Michigan if they want to win a national title. Let's talk about Ohio State here. And Ohio State, at the time of us being live here, is a little bit unsettled in some way because we don't know who the quarterback's going to be. So there's a multifaceted answer when it comes to Ohio State. But the given is the quarterback situation has to be solidified. And being solidified as the quarterback and the guy at Ohio State means something a little bit different than it probably does at other schools. Meaning, when I say solidified at Ohio State, I mean solidified to the standard at Ohio State. So if you want to win a national title, that's a tall order. I need the quarterback play to be Heisman finalist level. 
I don't have to be a Heisman finalist. I need to be Heisman finalist level. I need you to be able to make the offense. I need you to capitalize on the potential of the offense is what I'm trying to say. You got Marvin Harrison Jr., get him the football. Emeka Egbuka, get him the football. Trevian Henderson, Mine Williams, make sure they don't have a stacked box to run into because we're able to get something downfield. So that has to be that has to be situated again at the time of us being live right now. No announcement on the starting quarterback, Devin Brown or Kyle McCord, but they got to figure that out with flying colors, in my humble opinion, for them to win a national title. Now here's the deal too. Big men win trophies. On the defensive line for Ohio State, this is the other factor. They need to be able to hold serve in the big spots. In the big spots. I'm not talking about week one at Indiana. I'm talking about when you play Michigan at Michigan, when you play Penn State, when you get to the college football playoff and you play a team like a Georgia, like an Alabama, heck, maybe an LSU, I need you to be able to hold your own. You don't need to be overpowering, but you need to be able to hold it down enough to where we're not getting gashed and Donovan Edwards is running for a 60-plus yard touchdown. Like We need to be able to hold it down for just a little bit for the offense to get rolling. Because I don't think that talent offensively will stay down for them, but they have a ton of talent on the defensive side of the ball, and the defensive line especially, to where I don't think this is asking too much. Mike Hall, program guy. JT Tui-Malowau, pretty sure he put a, a full season highlight tape together from that one game against Penn State. Jack Sawyer, we've talked about him a lot on here. I think he's going to be great for Ohio State this coming season, getting to play just defensive end. Got to be solid on the defensive line in the big spots and not have that be the thing that an SEC team can just pick on, like a Michigan can just run through for the second year. That's got to be crucial. It's got to be improved. And Ohio State fans, they know that. Other part of this, to stay on the defensive side of the ball, secondary transfers have to mesh. Jim Knowles' defense, man, he's the mad scientist of defensive football in college. It's a Cornell grad. Shout out Jim Knowles. But the reality is that's a tough defense to learn to walk into. You got two transfers, Jihad Carter, playing safety for you. Davison Igbenosum playing corner for you. Two really good players, two guys they're happy to have in Columbus, but how they mesh within that scheme, it's got to be quick. It's got to be quick. We're, we can't be waiting on these guys to get up to speed and, oh, by, by you know week nine, then we're kind of ready to roll. Oh, once we get to the Big Ten title game, then we fit. No, it's got to be we're good to go. After that first month of the season, there is no more ramp-up time. We got Notre Dame week four, like, we got to be ready to roll here. If they can do all those things, Ohio State, I think, can win a national title. It's multifaceted, though, to be, to be transparent. So Alabama now, a team a lot of people are talking about. We're not going to do the whole conversation around Nick Saban being doubted. We've talked about that a lot. But for Alabama to win a national title, for them to hoist a trophy yet again, that defense needs to be dominant. Not good. Not great, not elite. They need to be dominant. The formula, I think, and this is a tall ask, but to win a national title, that's a tall ask as well. 2021 Georgia Bulldogs historic kind of defense. I don't think you need to match the numbers necessarily, but that formula needs to kind of hold true for Alabama this coming season. Because for them, it's going to be a Python kind of approach. It means we're going to control the tempo offensively and defensively, we're just going to stonewall you going to be way better than last year is their approach with Kevin Steele now calling the defense going to play fast and free we're going to make sure that you don't get points and as the game wears on guess what's going to happen offense that run game going to wear on you and slowly but surely while the defense holds you the defense has got you wrapped up like a python 
you're going to slowly start to feel the oxygen leave your body. It's morbid, but hang with me here. That's the Alabama approach. They want to squeeze and apply pressure, and by the third or fourth quarter, game over. Game over. We have forced you to submit. Now, that only works if the defense is able to do what I just talked about them doing, being able to control the tempo of games and let the offense wear on you. If the offense can wear on them, the offense gets to just sort of bully that opposition drive in and drive out quarter after quarter that's going to start to wear but if the defense can't hold it down the defense allows you know a couple of scores that are gimme after you know first couple of drives and you're playing a game where you're trying to match scores like that's not the kind of style Alabama wants to play this coming season so elite defense I said not just elite dominant defense equates to control equates to Alabama having a real good shot to win a national title I don't think quarterback is overly important we'll talk about that here just a little bit later in this live show but that has to happen for them to win a national title last thing we want to talk about here let's see what's going on in baton rouge what do they need to do to win a national title they're number five i believe in both polls at the time of us being live i think the offense has to become more explosive and everyone says that jane daniel's got to push the ball downfield yes we've talked about that but i think to put it specifically lsu they scored 32 points a game last year I need them closer to that range of like 38, 40 points a game. Every team that was in the college football playoff last year was right around the neighborhood of 40 points a game offensively. I think that's still the order for LSU. I think for Jaden Daniels and Mike Denbrock, that would equate to being able to push the ball downfield more. But even so, that's kind of the number I'm looking at. It's kind of the landmark for me for LSU to get to the national championship game and to win a national title. I think that has to happen. The other part of this, and this is more overarching and this is more specific, if the same LSU team suits up every single Saturday, and it's a version of what we saw against teams like Ole Miss in the second half, against Alabama, then at that point in time, you say, okay, I'm buying LSU. Because LSU, when they're on their game, man, their talent, I think it's good enough to, at the very least, go toe-to-toe with anybody. But they got to be on their P's and Q's. They, they got to be able to understand that they can't walk into a game against Arkansas and have a sleepy afternoon and get a superhero effort from Harold Perkins to win that game. You'll take close wins because all wins are good. They don't talk about how much that win was by when you just look back on it five years later. All you see is that W in the column. But even so, man, for LSU, like that is the key factor for me. That's the key piece for them. And I think they understand that. So if they can be the same team, solidify their identity be more explosive offensively think they got a real good shot to win a national title so it's easy to say easy to talk about but we're about time to start playing some real college football games and we'll find out who's going to eventually hoist that hardware at the top of the mountain in houston it's funny to say that because there are no mountains in houston there are tall buildings but there is no mountain in houston even though we love houston we've been to houston a time or two excited to hopefully potentially go back for the national title game this coming year uh, it will be a metaphorical mountain but a mountain nonetheless as we always say if you could like the video we're about 50 likes away from reaching our goal but if you, everybody who likes the video right now hits that thumbs up button we'll be well over 100 we appreciate you also we got a few more segments to get to but let's get those questions to, to nick Brake, the keeper of the queue the producer uh, and the heavy lifter extraordinaire of this show we want to hear from y'all we want to involve y'all in the show as much as possible so get those in right now we'll have a good time and we'll talk about that as we keep on rolling seeing some of those likes rolling right now so thank you very much for the program people making that happen so this news broke last night defensive lineman mason smith 
is suspended for the first game of the season against Florida State. This is a big loss for LSU. Now, he was suspended because of a, quote, impermissible benefit was how it was originally reported. And at first, you kind of scratch your head. You're like, impermissible benefit? In the NIL era? In this climate? To quote Michael Scott, in all climates? Kind of confusing. We'll break that down in just a second. The reason why he was suspended was allegedly, I say allegedly because I don't know if this is confirmed or not, but allegedly, he took place in an autograph signing prior to NIL legislation becoming a reality. So NIL not yet installed completely. Ross Dellinger said it could have been days or even weeks before NIL became a thing. Does not a graph signing. NCAA does some digging. Slap on the wrist. One game. Sorry, Mason Smith. So really quickly, make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you like the video. Thank you so much for that. For this game, what does it mean for LSU? Let's talk about it. This hurts LSU in my mind not because of who they're going to have to play behind him, not because of depth, really, for LSU's defensive line. You got Jacoby and Guillory is going to play six foot two, three hundred twenty-five, or excuse me, three hundred and twenty pounds. Uh, you'll you'll see him in that position, likely helping out with the loss of Mason Smith. I think it's the loss more so of what he could have done to this game. Like he's six foot six, three hundred and fifteen pounds as Mason Smith. Was a top ten player in the twenty twenty one cycle. Was a five star player. He was all SEC freshman team. Like, dude is is a havoc wreaker, and he probably could have helped them apply some more pressure on Jordan Travis. To me, this is all about the potential impact he could have had on the balance of, of Florida State's offense. Because Florida State last year they averaged right around five yards a carry. They made it a point to be a run first football team, but even so, they were pretty balanced. So for Mason Smith with the potential he could have had to take over this game, to be a game wrecker, at the very least, be able to kind of limit that yards per carry for Florida State. If that yards per carry number goes down to, let's just call it three yards a carry. Let's say Mason Smith is good for two yards a carry against Florida State. They go from five down to three. If you're in, let's say, second and 10, incomplete pass on first down, you got to run the football to try and pick up a reasonable amount of yardage to get a first down or to get a reasonable third down look. You go from what would have been third and five last year if you're running the ball in second and ten to with Mason Smith in the game being at third and seven third and five whole playbook is open to you third and seven you're probably thinking natural passing down and you're probably thinking you're playing that differently on the LSU defensive side of things so it's all about balance it's all about options in the playbook for Florida State and having Mason Smith in this game I think would have really impacted that and at, at his best like I said already he could have been a game wrecker for them like he could have been a guy that takes over a game like this makes his presence felt big number zero getting after it and he just forces double teams then Harold Perkins gets free on some blitzes and then Makai Wingo gets active like you see what I'm saying here there could have been more in there for LSU if Mason Smith is able to play in this game so you feel horrible for him and you hate that for LSU and I think he potentially there's that word again potentially you can tell we're, we're rounding the form here for week one he could have been the most impactful player in this game and that's why it hurts for LSU I didn't say he's the most talented player in the game. I didn't say he's the highest draft pick in the game. Best player in the game. Could have been the most impactful because of how he impacts what Florida State could have had to do offensively. So that's that. I think LSU will still be in good shape. But obviously you hate to lose what he could have been in this game. Now here's the thing I want to talk about. Let's, let's get down to this. Impermissible benefit. 
autograph signing before NIL becomes a reality. Again, Ross Dellinger reporting it could have been days or weeks before NIL legislation becomes a thing. Here's my situation I want to lay out for y'all. Let's say I jaywalk against the rules. I jaywalk and on three says, JD, we're going to suspend you for a week. Say, okay, I broke the rules. That's fair. A couple days later, there is a law passed that says jaywalking is 100% fair game. Everybody can jaywalk. You can jaywalk. You can jaywalk. You can jaywalk. Look under your chair. You can jaywalk. And everybody, not just at on three, everybody within the professional world is now jaywalking. How should we handle my suspension? Should we say, hey, sorry, you're still suspended? Or should we say, actually, this is a normal thing now. Everybody does this now. Come on back to work. What makes the most sense there? Like common sense is a beautiful thing. Common sense allows us to adapt to our circumstances. The circumstances here have changed. We should adapt accordingly to them, in my humble opinion right now. Also, this is not something where it's like a recruiting violation. It wasn't like Mason Smith was thinking about maybe coming to LSU and some guy met him in the back alley and said, hey, Mason, you come sign these autographs, we'll get you paid. Maybe think about coming to LSU. He was already a player at LSU. This isn't like a competitive advantage. He wasn't trading autographs for game tape on Florida State. This doesn't give LSU any better of a chance or worse of a chance if he signs autographs. Right? Also, nobody got hurt. There's no physical harm being done to anybody. This, to me, I don't understand it. I don't understand it. I think it is lacking common sense. I think we're thinking about this the wrong way. And I wish we would just think a little bit less hard about things like this. If you want to punish him some other way, sure. Let's figure that out. Make him give that money to a charity of his choice. That feels a little more common sense, right? But we're, we're suspending him for one of the biggest games of the season for LSU because he signed autographs before the season when everybody and their mama in college football right now is able to sign autographs and profit from it? Let's use common sense here, y'all. Let's... Let's play up a couple levels here. So for Mason Smith, big loss for LSU because of what he could have done for the game, impermissible benefit in NIL. Let's, let's figure it out a little bit here. Don't like it. Don't like it one bit. Keep on rolling here now. Uh, speaking of LSU, they will be joining the SEC here pretty soon by Texas, and Texas plays Bama here pretty soon. We'll talk about Bama in a second. y'all see Brett Yormark? talking to Texas Tech, and essentially, I'm paraphrasing here, but he told Texas Tech, I want y'all to go beat Texas this Thanksgiving. Like, go take care of business. And some people kind of took offense to that and said, this is like a bad look. What is Brett Yormark doing? Like, I don't know, man. If, if I'm Brett Yormark, commissioner of the Big 12, and I got a team that is leaving my conference, I don't think it's a secret how everybody feels about Texas right now. I think he's just talking that cash, which he has been known to do. So more power to Brett Yormark. And I promise you, the people at Texas... They're going to be ready for that game, too. It'll be a great one. It just adds some more juice to that matchup. So that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, if you could like the video, we would appreciate that tremendously. 20 more likes will be over 100. Thank you so much. Also, while you're here, if you could subscribe, that'd be phenomenal as well. So let's keep on rolling now. Like I said, talked about Texas a second ago. Let's talk about a team that plays Texas in week two at home. That is the Alabama Crimson Tide. Nick Saban has tipped his hand just a little bit at the direction of that quarterback battle. He's not saying it's going to be a certain guy just yet, but he said it's sort of taking shape. 
but he also indicated that whoever starts game one, that's not just going to be the end of the quarterback battle. So reading through what is being said here, quarterback battle will go through that first game against Middle Tennessee. And by week two, you would hope you have it figured out. I think week two is when you probably want to name a starter if you're Alabama. To be real, though, I love this. I absolutely love this if I'm an Alabama fan for a couple of reasons. And the first part of this is when you play Middle Tennessee, the competition is not going to lie to you. Like, you get real live bullets. I said it before on my Twitter page. Men lie, women lie. False Saturdays don't lie to you. And to be able to see all of these individuals, Ty Simpson, Jalen Milrow, Tyler Buckner, all playing live football, that's going to give you, I think, a better picture as to who's kind of got that, who's kind of got that juice. We'll talk about the juice a little bit later. But the data, I think, is important. You always take more information where you can get it. And the luxury of Alabama's schedule is you play Middle Tennessee State the first game of the season. Like, all right, great. We're probably not too worried about losing that game. Let's figure out more and keep evaluating what we have in this quarterback room. Because it's one thing to trot out there during fall camp. I'm sure it's still intense. You got Nick Saban watching you. I'm sure it's not a low-key environment in Tuscaloosa. But it's one thing to trot out there and play quarterback with a non-contact jersey. It is a whole nother thing to have 11 grown men wanting to just absolutely demolish you and put your face in the dirt. It's another thing to be on national television having 80 to 100,000 fans screaming at you. That's it. That takes a little bit of a different kind of it factor to get that done. You find out exactly who has it real quick in those kind of situations. When the external circumstances get turned up a little bit, when you're not just out at practice, then you kind of find out, okay, who's really got it under the hood? The other part of this, too, for Texas, I mean, this is this is an advantage for, for Alabama in that game. Because this, this game against Texas, make no mistake about it, week two, playoff implications. Texas, they want to go to the playoff. Alabama, they want to get back to the playoff. If you drop this game, you lose your mulligan. And both these teams have other games ahead of them that will test them and that will potentially give them issues. I mean, Texas, if they want to get to the college football playoff, they'll have to win the Big 12 more than likely. Have to go through Oklahoma. The Big 12 is just demolition dermy. It feels like every single year, like for Alabama, you got to play the rest of your SEC schedule. So this game will have a massive impact on what they do in the postseason. That's why we love college football. When it comes to this game, being able to force Texas in the week leading up to it is going to be a tremendous advantage. Especially, think about it this way. If Jalen Milrow is going to be your guy, I'm not making a prediction. I'm just saying, if it is Jalen Milrow, Alabama will probably have some quarterback runs baked in there, right? I mean, it feels like you might be a little bit silly to not do that with Jalen Milrow as your quarterback. But if you don't know who the starter is going to be, and you're Texas during the week, you got to prep for Ty Simpson, got to prep for Jalen Milrow, got to prep for Tyler Buckner. Like, you don't know what you're going to see in that game. And so for Texas, let's say it's, it's going to be Jalen Milrow, maybe that week, maybe Ty Simpson, like I was just saying. But it, even the possibility of it being Jalen Milrow means you have to, during the week, commit some practice time to stopping the quarterback run game. Right? I mean, if you're running quarterback power, you got to be able to fit that effectively when it comes time for Saturday. So guess what? We may have a whole period of practice, whole 5, 10, 15 minutes, however they do it in Austin, dedicated to just those kind of packages. 
And so if Alabama trots out there on Saturday and says, you know what, actually, it's not going to be Jalen Milrow. Actually, it's going to be Ty Simpson. Well, that is time that Texas spent prepping for Jalen Milrow that they didn't use prepping for Ty Simpson. And so now they're, in theory, a step behind. You love that if you're Nick Saban. You take every single competitive advantage you can get. Now, from a leadership standpoint, I think this could maybe be the most important thing when it comes to what Alabama is going to be going forward. For Alabama to be the quarterback there, there's a couple of places across the country where it takes a little bit more than just being the quarterback. You got to be the guy. You got to have that that juice, like we were talking about earlier in this segment. You got to have the it factor. And with all those circumstances being turned up around you in a situation on a fall Saturday, you get to see who follows who. Hey, who can command the huddle and practice? That's one question. But when you get to a game, when you're in the foxhole with your boys, when it's a two-minute drill to end the first half and we got to get points, who has the steady hand and who do these guys follow? Because you can't fake leadership. You can throw a nice ball. You can know the playbook. You can know all the checks. But you cannot fake in any way, shape, form, or fashion having guys follow you and having guys respond to you a certain way in the huddle and at the line of scrimmage. So that's the thing I'm watching for Alabama as this quarterback battle wages on into week one. Because when it comes time for Texas, got to have it sorted out. When it comes time for Texas, it is go time. It is playoff time, week two. The beautiful thing about college football right now, man, every single week means everything. And the quarterback battle will have a tremendous impact on that for Alabama as they try and climb that mountain once again to get back to the college football playoff. Cannot wait for week two against Texas in Tuscaloosa. Night game. Going to be a thing of beauty. College football poetry, if you will. That's what we love, man. This, stuff like that, like the fact that we get Texas-Bama week two of the college football season, that's a playoff game. We know that. It's a playoff game. You got week one, LSU-Florida State. That's a playoff game. Week four, you got Ohio State-Notre Dame. You got Florida State-Clemson. Like Those are playoff implication kind of games. Like That's why we love this game, man. Every single Saturday, it means so much. So... With Saturday for week one right around the corner. Guess what we have on this coming Saturday? Week zero college football. And if you watch this show, week zero is for you. Like if if you're tuned in right now, you're a college football junkie. Guess what? Takes one to know one. We're that way too. So we get fired up for week zero. What are some things that we're just stoked to watch for week zero, man? Let's kind of talk some ball right now. Let's kind of chop it up. And uh, the first thing I'm excited about, I can't wait to see Caleb Williams rev the engine a little bit. Heisman Trophy winner from 2022. Got San Jose State. What does he look like, man? I want to see some just draw-jopping plays from him. I I think I said draw-jopping. Jaw-dropping. You get the picture. I want to see Caleb Williams just put up highlights in this game because week zero, not a lot of huge games. Probably not going to be a ton of like enormously impactful games that come to the college football playoff race unless San Jose State were to get the better of USC and Notre Dame were to lose to Navy, and this conversation changes. I want to see what he does in that first half. I want to see them put up, uh, let's say, 28 to 30-something points in that first half. Then I want to see him being a good teammate in the second half. So what does he look like? Kind of stretch the legs a little bit. They should take care of San Jose State. Should, that key word there. I want to see what he looks like. That's why we love college football, because we get to see our stars, our familiar faces, back for another season if we play our cards right. If things go our way, we get to see our stars back for another season. This is probably the last opening game in college football we get to see Caleb Williams play. So let's enjoy that one. Make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you like the video. Thank you so much. All right. 
Now, there's a football game going on not too far from here over on West End in Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah, we got, we got Vanderbilt hosting Hawaii at the crib. And if y'all have been keeping a pulse on the Twitterverse, the stadium now had some construction going on with it. What's that atmosphere like? Because it's going to be a shrunken capacity down to right around 28,000. And Vanderbilt kind of gets some shade every single year for the fans that show up from other fan bases and how much there isn't a gold and black presence in that stadium on Saturday. Like, hey, we're shrinking the stadium a little bit. Let's pack it out, baby. Got some new juice around Clark Lee and company. Like, okay, smaller stadium. The obstacle is the way. Let's make it happen. Let's be a raucous environment. Welcome the Rainbow Warriors. Let's get it done. I can't wait to watch what that game is like. I hope we get to hear it from here in Brentwood over in Nashville. I hope that there's making some noise and we get like a small earthquake alert. It's wishful thinking, but college football's back. So let's get after it. I want to see what Vandy looks like. I think it's going to be a lot of fun to see what that stadium and that atmosphere looks like. Roll party roll. All right, Sam Hartman. Transfer from Wake Forest. ACC's all-time touchdown pass leader. You know the name. You know the face. You know the game. He is now at Notre Dame. And they are going to Ireland to play Navy. No confirmation yet on Bono being there or not. Haven't asked, haven't looked, but you would hope he's there. It's been, give, give me some good college football there, Bono. Uh, big question mark, what does his receiver room look like? What, what do they look like from a Christmas standpoint? We talked about it when we previewed this game a little bit earlier in the week. But I think this game is maybe not overly important for them to be able to throw for 400 yards and him to have five touchdowns for them to beat Navy that way. Like, I'd be okay with a pedestrian stat line. I want to see how crisp we are. Hey, are we getting the ball out of our hands really quickly and our guys are where we're throwing the football to? Do we look good on timing routes? Is that completion percentage right around 60, 65%? Like, are we dialed in? Because week four, you got Ohio State, but week three, you go to NC State. That defense is not going to be kind. That environment will not be kind. So we got to kind of put a good base together here for us to build off of going forward. Also, keep an eye on the back shoulder throws now because when you throw back shoulder, you're only able to complete those with some chemistry and having done it a lot in practice, having done it a lot after practice. So how far along are we in that department? I'm just curious to see Notre Dame going to have a major impact. We talked about it on the college football playoff race, whether they find themselves in the college football playoff or whether they end it for a team like Ohio State, like USC, like Clemson, they will have their say on this race. Sam Hartman will be a big part of what they say. Now, last thing I want to talk about, college football, man, it's about tradition. I'm talking about us as fans. It's about tradition. And we all have our game day traditions. We all have our thing that you wake up on a Saturday morning. Maybe you mow the grass. Maybe you and the boys get together for a tailgate. Maybe you have a little game day breakfast you do. I cannot wait to wake up prior to 8 a.m. Central, drive over to the local Chick-fil-A, order a spicy chicken breakfast burrito and iced coffee, man. That, to me, says college football is back. The leaves are going to change color eventually. We'll do all these things when the air is a little bit crisp and just hurts your lungs a little bit when you walk outside. That's going to be a beautiful thing, a beautiful thing. But even so, man, when we get to do our traditions again as fans, when you see those season ticket holders you don't see otherwise around the stadium and you're back in your seats, man, that's going to be special. That's going to be awesome. The game day traditions, how you get your Saturday rolling, what you do on Saturdays, that's something I cannot wait for when it comes to week zero of college football, baby. College football is back. We're back. We all never left. 
We're locked and loaded as we always are. Cannot wait. Week zero. Let's get it rolling, baby. Man, appreciate y'all tuned in live. Over 100 likes. Y'all crushed it. Absolutely crushed it. Had, had no questions. Had no doubts. It was always faith in the program. So we appreciate y'all for that. Let's get to what y'all have to say, though. We're welcome on Nick, uh, Nick Brake. I almost stumbled over welcome there, Nick. Uh, Nick Brake, keeper of the queue, producer, heavy lifter extraordinaire, to talk about what y'all want to talk about. Nick, what's going on, man? You look good. You know what I can't wait for on Saturday, JD? If you say Premier League, <laughs> well, don't say thing. it. Don't say it. I'm going to be watching West Ham United play oh, Brighton my. home Albion. Albion, excuse me, in the oh, Premier League. It'll be like 1.28 p.m. It's on NBC. It comes oh. right before Notre Dame Navy, and it's going to go into like stoppage time. And the, the, the college football people in this chat are me super mad because if it goes over one second over 1.30 p.m. Central time, on NBC, you and the rest of the people here are going to go Yeah, I'll riot. Yeah, I'll riot. You know what will happen? They'll, they'll just bump that soccer game. You know what? You know? They'll just well, say, Sam Hartman on the TV, Notre Dame Navy, tradition in Ireland, biggest game going on outside of the U.S., any football game. You know? I think that's what's going to happen, Nick. No, I, I, it could. <laughs> There's too, just too much on the line in West Ham versus Brighton, J.D. I love um, it. What, what, what do we got in the chat, Big Nick? What are the people saying? Uh, well, Jonah Hall is back. Uh, what three games from last season and for this upcoming season would you feel confident showing to a non-fan to show them how great college football is? That's Ooh, a good question. That is a great question. That is a very good question. A couple come to mind. I think you got to pick one from Rivalry Weekend because Rivalry Weekend in college football, unless you show it to somebody, it's very difficult to explain. Hey, these two teams hate each other. Their entire year, their mood is dictated by what happens in, in this four-quarter game go and watch that like it's hard to explain that but if you were to take someone to a game nick we were on the field pregame in columbus ohio for ohio state michigan when they dotted the eye and i'll tell you what it was one of those feelings where like your chest sort of starts shaking because of the the roar of the crowd cannot put that into words adequately you got to take somebody there to see it so ohio state michigan is one i think you would also probably look at texas bama i mean texas going to alabama future sec deal you can kind of explain the conference realignment thing as that gets underway here shortly it's a night game in tuscaloosa greatest coach of all time texas kind of this hot team like that has a lot of storylines in it so i would be excited to show somebody that and then i think uh another one i would do my, my third game it would have to be like a whiteout penn state game or a baton rouge at night lsu experience haven't been to either yet hope we do Hope we do get to one of those this coming season. But, uh, I mean, just from an experience standpoint, I think that could check a lot of boxes if you get them to one of those two. So those are the three that I would uh, would lend to any college football. Maybe, uh, what would you say? Maybe potential college football fan. That'll kind of get them hooked. So those are, those are some good gateway drugs right there, Nick. Okay, next question. How about Sean? Ask JD, how far do you think Tulane will rise up in the ranks? Do you have any other smaller schools who you think will crack the top 25 this year? I think Tulane could be a school without a doubt. I mean, how about, I'm, I'm curious to see what SMU does. Because SMU has a quarterback by the name of Preston Stone. And Preston Stone was a recruit that a lot of people wanted. Decided, I believe he's from the state of Texas. And I think he's from that area. Decided to stay home, go to SMU. And that offense under Rhett Lashley, they are going to be wheeling and dealing. He's going to be a guy that probably isn't in the primetime game that often, but you'll go ahead and check the box score from the day. Or you'll see who was like the leading passer on the day. You're going to see Preston Stone, I think, in that top five category pretty consistently. 
I'm telling you, Nick, he is a dude. Had some people close to SMU I was talking to uh, when Tanner Mordecai was the guy over there. And Tanner Mordecai, if we remember, was a Power 5 quarterback. Is a Power 5 quarterback yet again at Wisconsin. And I was told that they were going back and forth when he was there. Like Tanner Mordecai was the guy, but Preston Stone pushed him for all he was worth. And some people even thought he threw a better ball. So Preston Stone, SMU, keep an eye on what they do, Nick. A little bit sneaky over there, uh, over in Dallas. Dallybama, if you will. Uh, JD, next question is coming from Craig. This is an interesting one. I didn't see this. What's your opinion on Colorado players using social media handles on their nameplates? Does that create culture issues with individuals? individualism amongst teammates um i don't think so i think like with anything that's kind of how you handle it now i personally wouldn't do it just because I, I want our guys thinking about football when they're playing football but to a degree i understand it in the world of nil especially in colorado where coach prime has this enormous brand like you want to entice your players to put on a show at practice like hey you end up on on the highlight tape from practice that our social media team puts out that's probably going to help your social media following which maybe helps your nil so i understand the thought behind it i don't have an enormous issue with it it's probably not for me but if, if it's a a thing that you can manage within your team and that guys are bought into and are still keeping the main thing the main thing like yeah by all means let's let's reward guys who make plays and i think that's that's a uh, a thing that is probably going to become more and more common in college football i think jeff collins actually at georgia tech started this but it's good to see coach prime you know, making uh, making the most of it at Colorado. So good for them. JD, man, I made a friend in the chat, Antonio Montano, who said, by the way, love the show, brother, says Premier League is a must-watch. Hey, there you go. Shout out, Antonio. Good for um, Antonio. Next question coming from D. Taylor. If Hypel had crashed and burned, do you think people would be crying about Tennessee's punishment as much? Uh, the answer is no. <laughs> the, an the answer is no. But it's, it's a fair thought. Like, if... if Tennessee somehow misses a bowl game last year. You're probably not hearing a lot about, oh, man, they should have gotten a bull ban. They should have gotten this. They should have gotten that. Like, the reason why there's so much volume around Tennessee's punishment is because they're good, because they're a threat to other teams in the college football landscape. So to answer that question, I mean, directly, I, I don't think so. But it's, it's an interesting thought there that, uh, you know, I guess we'll never know. JD, one more? Let's do it, man. Okay, well, we've got Rocky Top Tom in the chat. This is a kind of an interesting question. Always is looking, always asks a question about OU in Texas, which mm. is kind of funny um, as, a, as a Rocky Top fan. Uh, once OU in Texas joined the SEC, which one is more of an exciting series, OU versus Alabama or Tennessee versus Texas? Which one is more mm. marketable? Which one, one is a program program by the way history battle and the other is the ut trophy which is something argued in our chat pretty much every day wow hey big time by the use of the program right there that's oh, a yeah. big time use rocky top tom's a program salute. Guy. salute to rocky top tom getting it done right there with the program usage uh, i think there's one part of me that wants to see what the sec scheduling looks like after 2024 i would hope we get these games consistently but we'll see it's hard to not go ut right? It's hard to not go Tennessee, Texas. Cause I mean, Nick, I moved here from the state of Texas, met a lot of people, a question that comes up in conversation. Hey, where'd you go to school? I went to UT. You went to UT. Wow. I did. I had no idea. There were people from Texas that are just out here in Nashville. No, no, no. I went to, went to Tennessee. What do you mean UT? So that one I think could be a great game for bragging rights. Oklahoma, Alabama, obviously still a phenomenal game Two historic brands going at it. I hope we get both these games, but 
Texas, Tennessee, the the storylines within that are a little bit interesting too. Also, when I kind of pushed back and I was like, so why are y'all UT and not Texas UT? I'm not disagreeing. I'm just asking. And they were like, remember the Alamo? We're, we're the volunteer state. We, we came and helped y'all. We volunteered to help Texas. So that's why we get to be UT and Texas is the other UT. There's only one shade of orange that we get to claim UT. So uh, I think that has some interesting storylines. I would be fascinated to watch that one. And uh, yeah, I, I like that, Nick. That, that's a very good question, though. We're going to get a lot of really good, I guess, new rivalries, potentially, when it comes to the SEC and what they're going to look like. So should be a lot of fun, man. Yep. Should be a lot of fun. Absolutely. Well, Nick, I appreciate you, man. Anything else you want to get yeah. out to the people before you jump off here? Well, do we have time for one more? Because yeah, man, Jonathan more. came in a little late. Always, always is asking, "Hey, are yeah. we, we going to do SJD today?" So I wanted to make sure we get this one in. Uh, does Penn State beat Illinois at Illinois, or is this an upset alert for you, JD? Ooh. I know you talk about Illinois not you know get enough points on the board. So hey, the Illini, the Illini. It's at Illinois, I believe. Is that correct? Yes. Hey. Scrolling into Champaign, Illinois. I'm just saying now, first-year quarterback, this will be the first real test for Penn State. We'll pick this game when it gets here. I still think Penn State will have too much firepower offensively for Illinois to keep score, but I'm just saying, going to Illinois, really good defense last year. I understand the D.C. isn't there anymore. Ryan Walters now the head coach at Purdue, but even so, man, just keep, keep an eye on this one. This is a great question. This is one that we're going to circle underline star when it gets to that week. But that will be the first real test for Drew Aller. How does he handle seeing that defense? How does he handle playing that kind of game on the road? I don't know. We'll find out a lot about Penn State. Find out a lot about Drew Aller. And we'll put all that data together. We'll talk about it that Sunday after. And we'll talk about it that week of. But that's a great question. Yeah. Definitely one you got to circle with uh, the whole potential upset alert there, Nick. Hey, that was big time by you getting that in, Nick. Well, I think that's a night game, by Jonathan. I think that's a night game in the new uh, big Saturday night Whoa. stuff going on, too. So that'll be fun. Okay. Hey, the stage is set. On the mothership. Stage is set. Yep. That's good stuff, man. Nick, anything else you want to get out to the people? Appreciate you holding it down, man. You've been doing, been doing everything today. Hey, look, uh, nothing really. Um, it, your, your, your sport is back, everyone. You made it. Uh, Jack Moreno says UT Martin is the real UT. Go Skyhawks. <laughs> that's the best comment of the day. There you go. That's, yeah. a, that's a mic yeah. drop right there. Well, Nick, appreciate you, brother. Absolutely. Talking not just one, but two sports today. Always. Big time. Always. Big time by you. We'll see you Tuesday. We'll see you then. We'll be right in here on Sunday morning, too, yes, man. Sir. Those Sunday videos are coming back, guys. Be a good one, baby. Nick Break holding it down. The captain of the Sunday Sprint. For those of y'all that were with us last year, we do our live shows. We have added a live show this year. So we're Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, live, Living Color, 11 a.m. Eastern. Friday, want you to go follow me on Instagram. So we'll sit down and we'll have just a Q&A, just you and me. It'll be video format. We'll take your questions. We'll talk about it. Be a real good time. That's not going to be on the YouTube page. So you got to follow me on Instagram, at JD Piquel, to take part in that. But when it comes to Sunday, tell you what, man, eat our Wheaties, get our caffeine, get rocking and rolling, get right back here in the studio, and we just talk about everything that happened on the Saturday before. We call it the Sunday Sprint because we are trying to sprint as quickly as possible to give you all the content that you want to see and to unpack the Saturday that was. So make sure you're subscribed before you get out of here. Make sure you like the video. Make sure you're locked in. Follow me on the socials at JD Piquel on Twitter, on Instagram. Hey, listen, we're back, baby. We are back. Today is Thursday, the day before the day before. 
Y'all enjoy your college football Saturday. It's going to be a movie. We'll see you right back here Sunday, and we'll see you next week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, 11 a.m. Eastern. I'm J.D. Pakel. We appreciate y'all. We love y'all. We're going to keep this party rolling, and we will see y'all next time.